It's the Persistent and Nasty Podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023 series. The episodes will be released at various different times, so make sure that you have subscribed so you get notified when a new episode has dropped. We have some amazing guests coming up for you and I know that you won't want to miss them. They will be everything from circus performers to theatre makers to singers to spoken word poets and we can't wait to share all of them with you. Remember, if you are taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe or you are just going for a visit, remember your rain jacket, your comfy shoes and a pair of shorts because you never know the weather that you're going to get in Edinburgh. But what you are guaranteed is some incredible pieces of theatre. Enjoy the episode and remember... Stay nasty. Hello, you gorgeous lot, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. I hope that you are all doing really well, looking after yourselves, being kind to yourself and each other. We only have a few more days of the festival remaining, so I hope that you are enjoying it. Um, I hope that you are powering on through. Keep hydrated, keep eating those vegetables and the fruits, um, and you've only got a few more days to go and you can get home (laughs) back to your own bed and which I'm sure most of you are absolutely uh, desperate for at this point in the month but I really hope that your experience of this year's festival has been everything and more that you wanted it to be Um, and just always remember that you took your art somewhere and that's an incredible achievement uh, no matter all the other stuff that's just amazing Today, Louise and I chat with Leah Hennessy and Emily Allen, the creators of Slash, which is on at Summer Hall in the Red Lecture Theatre at 10.15pm until the 27th of August 2023. Um, We recorded this straight after we had seen the show. Um, Louise and I had both had a couple of drinks before the show and um, we had a really short amount of time um, just by the time the show had got up, it was running slightly late and Summer Hall closes uh, early-ish um, during the week. Um, so we were quite tight, so we didn't get to probably ask as many questions as we, we would want to. But we chat about the creation of the show, how Leah and Emily met, their connection with each other. And we talk fan fiction. Um, Louise tells us about her fan fiction moments. Um And it's really just a beautiful episode of celebrating um, people's creativity and the joy of sketch comedy and um, what happens when you meet someone that you completely click with um, personally, creatively. What then happens when you make a piece of theatre when you have that connection? Um, It's really a brilliant show and if you can get yourself a ticket, we laughed so much. It is so, so great. Um, So get yourself along to see Slash. All the details are in the show notes of today's episode Um, and I know that you will all enjoy. 
If you want to support the work that Persistent and Nasty do, you can become a Persistent Pal or a Nasty Hero. The link to do that is also in the show notes of today's episode. And if you can't financially support us, then you can help us in lots of other ways. You can shout about us on social media, retweet, share everything that we share, and spread the Persistent and Nasty word. And you can also like, download, review, subscribe to the podcast that makes a huge difference and gets our incredible guests heard by as many people as possible you can follow us on social media twitter at persistent nasty instagram at persistent and nasty facebook persistent and nasty send us an email to persistent and nasty at gmail.com check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk and there you will find incredible blogs written by brilliant performers artists who are at the fringe and also who are not at the fringe they are all amazing reads so they are all brilliant and i know that you'll enjoy them just as much as you enjoy the podcast. You can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Oh, for today's episode, well, Louise and I had both had beer and then wine. So you might want to join us in that. Maybe something, I don't know, like, oh, maybe a spicy margarita or maybe a spirit of some kind or do you know what a bloody mary really jumps to mind and i'm not even a massive fan of tomato juice but you know something like that or a nice i don't know why i always go for like an elderflower but i do like a sparkling elderflower it is it is good uh some sort of fizzy juice uh coffee or you know you can always just have a good old cup of tea sit back relax and enjoy Oh, and make sure and stay tuned to the end of the episode where you will hear Leah and Emily's answers to our favourite question, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Hi, I'm Leah Hennessy. And I'm Emily Allen. And I love that you leaned into the mic. <laughs> Thank you for full <laughs> ASMR experience. We, we, want them to, we want them to know to come see our play. And that we're, um, that we're and serious. We uh, Slash, which is on at Summer Hall in the Red Lecture Theatre at 10.15pm. Um, Louise and I are just out of it. Full disclosure, we've had a few glasses of wine <laughs> and some beer where we're out tonight. She's trying to stay very, very calm because she thinks it might be her favourite show, The Fringe, and it spoke directly oh. to her. Oh, oh that's so That's cool. all that matters. I mean, the show started and I was like, oh. Louise is going to lose her shit, and I love <laughs> every minute of it. But before we get into it, tell us a bit about yourself. So, Leah, let's start mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Emily and I have trouble differentiating our biographies because we have very similar uh, backgrounds and we've merged in many ways. Um, I'm from, you're going to have to go after me, sorry. I'm from from New York City. Um, I've never lived anywhere else in my life. I've been making theater and films and music uh, my whole life, I guess. And uh, we started working together originally as part of a larger collective called Gigi, which is impossible to guess the spelling of because it's Z-H-E-Z-H-E, really bad, really bad search engine optimization. Um, And that's me. Hello, my name is Emily. I am also from New York City, from the Lower East Side of Manhattan, in differentiation from Leah, from the Upper West Side, in differentiation. Um, And I 
have been collaborating with Leah for many years and Slash, the show you just saw, maybe this is for a different part, but it evolved out of a um, like series of smaller performances that we um, did with each other. And um, we've since made films together and separately we both make music and that's one thing that we do alone, but a lot of things we do together. <laughs> I love that. Have you both always been interested in the arts? Were you both theater kids? I Emily has a really, really interesting answer to this that I wonder if we have time to get into. We have oh, time. Okay. We have but time. I, I'll just say I, I definitely was always, you know, art with a capital A. I was very much like, you know, uh, the kid from Rushmore, you know, like putting on plays when I was a child and like at my Montessori school, like making costumes for kids out of cardboard and stuff like I was very much that person less of a maybe less of like I wasn't I kind of wish I'd been more of a theater kid but I was I was a little more of a contrarian and maybe thought I was too cool or something and now I wish I'd been in musicals and you know joined in a little more but I always like did my own plays and made films and made music and never wanted to do anything else Oh, I just realized what you were referring to. I went to a, um, I went to a high school in New York, which was a public high school, but it was a art high school. So I'm very inspired by um, the experience of like watching like 15 year olds do like Tennessee Williams plays. Yeah. But then also I was like as a teenager in a Marxist microsect group, which later turned into a cult. And I, <laughs> oh my so God, I, I actually love it. I want to know more about the cult. Yeah. Why do we have no time? <laughs> well, the point was like, I think I was like, I went through a period in my teenage years where I, I literally like would say things like, you know, art is decadent, you know, if it's not in service of the struggle um and, and now, i've and you know and now you're playing trotsky with an italian accent i know it's like how how far <laughs> i've fallen i know i know i know it's a good t-shirt but anyway so it's a uh, but somehow we've made it here and how did you make it here Great you, question. this is the first time you've been at the fringe yeah, it's our first time at the fringe and i think we it's always been like a very sort of romantic dream of ours especially with this show which is so inspired by um, class. No, thank you. By classic. Oh, stupid. My yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, you know, like there's so much of the of the show that's like emulating a kind of like relationship that Leah and I always wanted to have and have kind of found slash created with each other, like British comedians like the Mighty Boosh or mm-hmm. you know like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. And so like the Fringe was always kind of like, oh, how cool would it be? But I, I can say I feel like we know we knew almost nothing about how to get to the fringe now. Yeah. And when we decided to do it this year, we were completely naive. We were very lucky. We, we like got in right under the wire. We were the last play accepted into Summer Hall. And then we were like, great, so where are we going to stay? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, like yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really so we, hard. we did a we did a big um, Kickstarter. We did like a crowdfunding, um, like our community and community in New York basically sent us to the to the fringe and then we enlisted the help of our friend Anne Alexander um, who has helped us produce short films and had no experience doing any kind of theater but she I don't think we could have done it without a third person you know like even just booking an Airbnb and making a schedule it was so it was because I kind of think that we're one of the most we're definitely like the most 
DIY scrappiest show at Summer Hall that I've seen. Like, you know, most people have companies and they have mm-hmm. a director or they have a technical director or at least a producer. And it was really just us with Anne for a couple days, you know? And um, I'm just saying that because I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest people coming here yeah. you know with 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 no team because yeah. it's incredibly stressful to be managing the creative side of it taking care of yourself seeing all the shows preparing for i mean it's really the hardest thing i've ever done but also but totally worth it the most fun yeah. the most fun best I've ever time had. Of our lives. Yeah. i can I, I can sense why when you were saying at the end that word of mouth has been really important for this show and i was as i was watching it i was struck by the fact that this show is probably one of the most original, well-performed shows I've seen in a long time, and I've yeah, been doing this you. for like twelve plus years. <laughs> and um, I was like, they need a better slot. You should yeah. be on at ten fifteen. Yeah. But now that you said that it was kind of under the wire, now I get it. Because you guys, that was like, that was great. It was. It was the last possible. <laughs> it was the last slot available. Um, yeah. I do think I was very flattered. The Scotsman called it a late night lysergic cabaret and <laughs> and 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 when we were first thinking about the show and bringing it to what time slot would be ideal people were saying you know you don't want to be late night you're competing with cabaret shows you're competing with drag queens and like as a new yorker first rule of thumb is like don't compete with drag queens yeah. <laughs> you're gonna lose yeah. you're gonna win you're gonna yeah. win every time and like but i think that um there actually has been something magical about being late at night yeah um and you get to kind of stay and hang out and people aren't rushing off to another thing and Mm -hmm. it is it is nice but I think it's been hard for yeah getting for the attendance especially because I've really found that our prime demographic is um it's a split between university students who are much younger than us and then people who are much older than us like 60 Mm -hmm. 70 80 year olds really love the show because I think it speaks to maybe an older sensibility. There's like stuff that's very 60s and 70s about it, and it's hard to get them in this late. Well, you co- well, you covered a lot of time periods. You know, you're covering Star Trek. You cover um, Shelley and Byron. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many. There's a lot of people who don't know who those oh, people are. It's not just time periods. Like, yeah. I would just like yeah. to ask, um, when did you? start reading fan fiction like how much fan fiction have you read I, yeah, that's a really really good question and i think that it's it's later than one would think i mean i i definitely read fan fiction with my friends you know when we were 11 and 12 but it wasn't things that i um was a fan of and emily and i both one of our many similarities is we both grew up without television and we both oh, grew yeah. up like watching VHS tapes of, for instance, Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, and had a very limited ac- limited access to pop culture, and had unlimited access to maybe more esoteric mm-hmm. old stuff, which explains some of the show. But um, so I like would go to people's houses, and they would be reading Sailor Moon fan fiction, and so I, <laughs> I knew kind of the tone of it and had a yeah. sense of that, and I was intrigued but scared. It seemed really dirty and and it was like internet forums, you know, strangers, old people could talk to you. Like I had that kind of fear. And then slowly it crept more and more into my world. I think I always talk about one of the most formative experiences for Slash was one time I snuck into an early, like some version of Comic-Con with this boy and he had Xeroxed passes 
so we could sneak in. It wasn't like real Comic-Con. It was like at a hotel. I don't know. It was like offshoot Comic-Con. And we watched this performance, this cosplay performance of um, a girl in like a sailor, like sailor Uranus costume, like a really obscure Sailor Moon character singing a Frank Sinatra song. And I was like, this is like, I grew up seeing all kinds of like weird New York performance art. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing. (laughs) Just the affect is so confusing and weird. Mm. And also exciting and like fun and fucked up. And so I think like there was stuff like that that crept in. But it wasn't until we were much, much older (laughs) that we got obsessed. And it was the John Locke conspiracy. That did it. I was getting obsessed <laughs> with Sherlock BBC. Okay. Um, okay. And watching Sherlock, like actually, which is I think rare for me to like be part of like a media sensation spectacle as it's happening. And, mm. and we still weren't totally like, we weren't writing um, John Locke fan fiction until we wrote that scene, the like Potterlock scene that's in flat, Slash. Flash. Um, in Flash, Flash, our show, Flash, Flash. Um, Flash, our yeah. show at Fringe. Um, but we we like got obsessed with with like the John Locke um, fanfics, and we would send each other um, like archive of our own novel length fanfictions to read, and like we're like following all of these like. John Locke, meaning people who um, <laughs> who believe that the characters of Sherlock Holmes and John Watson, played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman in the Sherlock BBC show, are in love with each other, and that it actually is canon. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's and it's not just the consp- not just the idea that you know that they, that there's sexual tension between them, but the but the fantasy and the conviction that the creators of the show were leading up to this and and that we and that fans were meant to be finding easter eggs and um and we really were believers in that and when sherlock and john was not canon this micro corner of the internet erupted and we were very much part of that and watching that play out and we're devastated i mean so i was I, i i was so angry and rageful and I wonder if we were doing, we weren't doing Sherlock stuff yet. Maybe we, we were. We did. We did during that. Maybe time. we were already doing yeah. it. So that was formative. That was the mm-hmm. fandom, you know, but also we were both like, you know, Trekkies in our own way, but because of like, but watching VHS mm-hmm. tapes and having mm-hmm. limited access. So it all is like pretty deep roots. Yeah. I haven't watched a show that spoke to me quite so particularly. <laughs> did you write fan fiction? I'm not going to assume how old you are, but. I'm not going to share my age, but I got into fan fiction before there was internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we're talking, like, you know, what what is referred to as the mothership, so mm-hmm. X-Files fan fiction, yes. kind of way, writing episodes and sharing it with people when I was in uh, primary school. That's my uh, that's my fun fact that I like to share with people well, that I wrote in X-Files. Well, you would, well, I will tell you that our project that we've been working on for the past few years is we made a short film that we want to turn into a TV show called Byron and Shelley Illuminati Detectives. And it's Byron and Shelley in an X-Files type. It's basically like an X-Files AU. Do you want to 
with Byron and Shelby. It would be wrong and cruel to tease me. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That is like the, that is our ultimate TV show, and we have we have like proof of concept, and we have a film. Jesus. We have a film that we can show you. Yeah. It's 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 wow. it's not it's I, I private. Want you to do that. I want you to I mean, show me. He's super excited. Yeah, Louise needs to stop talking. But it, but it's <laughs> but, but, but it will. But I will. I will say you know just because you brought up X Files, we I've been in a gone back into X Files recently, mm-hmm. and I do think that X Files is the only show besides Buffy, but X Files is the only show for me that has a heterosexual relationship that is deeply, deeply exciting and arousing to me. And I can't think of any other TV show that really does that for me. And like full disclosure, like I am a predominantly heterosexual woman. So I, in my real life, am attracted mostly, mostly to men. And yet most TV shows and media, not media, TV shows especially, there's not a lot of like man woman characters that I'm not excited to see together and there's many many male male characters mm-hmm. that I'm excited about their relationship. Yeah. And before getting into slash fiction, I was like what's wrong with me? And like what is that? And I think the show is about yeah. the mystery of that and um and we still don't know the answers. Mm-hmm. You know the yeah. truth is out there. <laughs> the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question. I, I, I really want the listeners to know. Um, so the premise of Slash. <laughs> We're going to have to oh, edit no. this. Back. Yeah. Oh no, I, I, yeah, I'm not editing it. <laughs> this is a joy. It's going out tomorrow. Um, yeah, the premise of Slash, please. The premise of Slash. <laughs> <laughs> slash opens on two girls a blonde and a brunette who are maybe Betty and Veronica from the Archie comics Riverdale extended universe and they are frustrated with their lives and they confess to each other that they are both have felt um, suicidal because they feel trapped in their world which increasingly feels unreal which is a fiction which Mm -hmm. is fiction and they talk to each other and they say, I've tried taking antidepressants, I've tried cognitive behavioral therapy, I've tried meditating, and none of it works. And then the brunette says to the blonde, well, have you tried? What's the line? Oh, God. The line is, um, have you ever fantasized about homoerotic relationships between straight, male, fictional, or historical characters or celebrities? And then my character, the blonde, says, yeah. I've done that. And then the brunette says, but... Well, you say, you mean like Captain Kirk You mean like Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock having sex. sex, And then you say, yeah, but not just sex. Not just sex. Like the the whole... whole Imagining... Imagining the fully realized sexual sexual erotic erotic dynamic. And I say, I've done that. And then you say, yeah, but have you ever acted out any of your imagined scenarios with another person? And they have not. And they have not. Except maybe they have. But they they have... maybe, Maybe one of them has... Spoiler alert. But um, but then they they decide to together try this method of escape through homoerotic fan fiction. Which begins with um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney sharing a bed together and then gets increasingly absurd and um, leaves the path of purely homoerotic fan fiction and starts kind of exploring the questions of why... 
why would women fantasize about two men being secretly in love with each other? What's the origin of this? We do a little bit of the history of it, which it, is which is the history of Star which is Star Trek, yeah. and um, we don't talk, we don't like make this all explicit, but like a lot of what's what's interesting about this isn't the premise of Slash. Just what's interesting about Slash fiction is how repetitive it is and how mm. much of a pattern it is. So mm. the Sherlock fandom, Sherlock and John's relationship is very much like Kirk and Spock. Mm-hmm. And it seems clear that the creators, who were Trekkies themselves and were in fandom, <laughs> yeah. um, modeled this relationship on that previous relationship. So the show is kind of about the history of slash fiction and then also goes off the, the rails. The feeling of slash fiction. And, and the feeling of slash fiction, the feeling of yearning, and it also goes off the rails and ends up uh, playing out scenes between different second wave feminists yeah. Um, fighting with each other and um, it presents a theory yeah. for why why women and why you know people are write slash fiction and then it kind of calls that theory into question and it all becomes very um, absurd and, and you, get, you get also some pretty like um, important messages put out as well throughout you know when you talk about in the US how many people die every you know day year month etc and you put that out and how what is causing them and I think that's really important that you're taking all of these moments within it and you've got that message running through it as well yeah um I also thought it was fascinating that Andrea Dorkin was what yeah, that was, <laughs> that was like, like but it's really interesting to me as well like you touched on this fact that like the slash fiction written about um Spock and Kirk is predominantly written by women and Fan fiction in general is like that. I would, I don't have the statistics to hand, but I would imagine that it's like it's predominantly mostly women. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think non-binary people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Non- and non-binary people, yeah. and and yeah, it's it's and mostly yeah, not like, the, the, anywhere the people. Fan fiction yeah, I think this year, yeah, like yeah, a hugely yeah. safe um, universe for queer people. It's like it's where a lot of fantasies are acted out about compassion and love and sex and the way things you you know you want them to play out. Um, sorry. I'm touching on <laughs> that's my stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's true. Sorry, it's just unfortunate that we're on a time yeah. limit. Um, yeah. But I think uh, so. We have the premise of the show. Mm-hmm. What can audiences expect from Slash? Well, it's this. This all sounds very academic and mm-hmm. niche, but it's actually also just like a stupid sketch yeah. comedy show. Yeah. Yesterday, um, someone said to us, came to see it and said. You know, by the end of your show, I was crying, thinking about the realities of these like two women and their relationship with each other. And then there was a pause, and we said, "And also, it's just a stupid fucking sketch show." It's both, and it's and it's both, and it's and that was like a huge compliment. Yeah, it's. Mm. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think there's some shocking moments. I think there's some uncomfortable, shocking moments. I think that there's some stuff that you might laugh at that you never thought you would laugh at. Um, there's a lot of laughing at the horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a lot of um, there's a lot of yeah shocking shocking moments. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that that my favorite thing people say about it is that yes, there's all these references and it can be a little esoteric and um, it's this wide ranging historical sampling. But that you really don't need to know any of this stuff. And it is just silliness and play and it is like a two-hander with us trying to emulate these like 
basically English comedians of your male English comedians. Generally. We want to make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it will also give you a, sh- a performance of Shakespeare that will rival anything you'll see at the Globe. No, <laughs> it was outstanding. Quite frankly, it was, it was, it was, it was fucking outstanding. I was loving all of it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. We are running out of time, yeah. um, and we do have a question that we like to ask. But if it's all right with both of you, if you can maybe send it in a voice note, yeah, tomorrow mm-hmm. or something, and Easy. I'll just add it in if that's Easy. all right. Um, if you can sum up slash in five words, what would those five words be? Let's do it together. I'll go first. Okay. Um, perverted. I thought we were going to do It's a Really Good Show. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got thrown off. on hers. Let's go. Okay. Perverted. Hilarious. Romantic. Forbidden. Historical. That's it. That's, That's fine. It. <laughs> Show. Show. Gorgeous. So for everybody listening, you can catch Slash at um, Summer Hall at the Red Lecture Theatre at 10.15pm until the 27th Seven. of August 2023. And you should catch it because it's fucking great. <laughs> and thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Emily and Leah. And, yeah. and we were just going to say to stay nasty. Oh, we have to say it together. I love it. I love it. I love it. She's very cute. And until next time, lovely listeners, stay, stay nasty. nasty. <laughs> She's so nasty. Persistent and nasty makes me think of torrential rain, which is my favorite weather, and I guess that's why I'm here in Scotland. Persistent and nasty is the kind of thing that sounds bad until you try to flip it around and you realize if you switch the letters you'd get narcissistic and pasty and then you realize that persistent and nasty is the best thing you can be.